Hi everyone, Raphael Harry here, and you're listening to White Label American, a podcast where we hear stories from an immigrant or two, sometimes more. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of White Label American. Thank you all for joining us today. Before I introduce today's guest, I would like to drop today's recommendation. And since this episode is dropping in this month of Women's Month, I'd like to recommend the Blood Girl, Karama, the one and only Blood Girl. And you can find her at her website, linkin.bio slash blood girl, bled girl, bled, bled girl. Um, she's, um, someone who's big in the comics game. She's big on, um, she's a digital content creator. And if you want to watch a black woman who can handle, who, who's like fantastic when it comes to interviews with, um, your, some of your favorite actors and actresses, um, from your favorite shows then check out her show. So yeah, check out and give show support. And she's also... Uh, she's also appeared in some comics, um, I think a Marvel comic book that will probably have come out by the time this episode airs. And she's also has some work that she's writing on and she's just somebody that I like, um, I just enjoy her work. So it doesn't have to be someone that I know personally or interact with personally, but hey, if you drop a nice comment on her Instagram, she always responds too. So check her out. She's fantastic. It doesn't always have to be books or shows that I watch that I um, recommend. And you can also catch her shows when she does a live YouTube. or I think she also does Twitch. Yeah, with some of her guests. All right. Enough of that. Let's dive to today's guest. I am highly honored to have a serious MVP, VIP, a queen, royalty in the house yes people are wondering now who is this person that you're going to introduce i'll tell you who the person is she goes by the name brenda chewingham but that's not all it is there's more she's also known as the ankara queen and a best-selling author number one best-selling author she's the founder of melapte.com i said that right melapte.com yep uh, she was formerly yeah. known as Can Never Be a Skinny Bish. She's also formerly known as the uh, no, uh, she's uh, the Akara the Akara Queen is back. So, well, I guess uh, she was gone and then she came back. And if you go to her website, let me tell you, you 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 better not be uh, on an empty bank account like I was when I went there because. Yeah, I almost went and stole money to just go and start buying stuff. Let me tell you. So, just 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 make sure you're, you're loaded. Yeah, in fact, don't 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 make sure you just go and go and get somebody's credit card and go go to our website because the, the fabrics there, the designs, are all you just gonna you know she she's an Afropreneur. She's uh, her fashion game is on point. Her dancing game is on point. Her sense of humor is on point. Everything with this woman is on point. So there's so much more to this woman, but I'll still allow her to introduce herself and tell you more because there's something about the green sofa 
that um, I'm wondering what's that about, but she'll tell us why. And then there's plantain chips also. Hmm. There's a lot too. There's a lot when it comes to this woman. But please welcome Brenda Twinkham to the show. How are you doing, my sister? I'm doing amazing. Thank you for that interesting introduction. Oh, she, she gave me the look. She give me the look. I don't know if that's a good look or not, but um, mm. thank, thank goodness she's not in the studio, so she can't catch me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, well, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. We're so honored thank to have you. you. Um, please, just for the people who don't know you and who are still wondering, who is this person? Just give them a brief introduction to yourself. Hmm. So as you mentioned, I am an Afropreneur. I do have my nine to five or more like my eight to four. Uh, So I work for the government. But apart from that, I have my business, my e-commerce. I run a blog, a fashion blog. And I also have quite a bit of a presence on social media, a little bit popular with my fashion sense, along with my sense of humor, along with my love for everything African prints. I've noticed that I've been able to create my own online community of people with similar mindset when it comes to career and being at a certain age and living alone and not being married Uh-oh. and the way we go about our day to day. Is there hope for somebody out there? <laughs> my my community of like-minded women and we're it's a really lovely space really engaging space and i'm a lover of travel and good food good food Mm. welcome welcome to the right place you see that that's why we invited you because if you had said you weren't a lover of good food would have just all right end of recording bye-bye go home i mean you're at home but we'll still say go home like, get out of your house and go somewhere else. <laughs> I'm in my house. I know, but we'll have to kick you out. Well, look, people love good food. We allow on this show. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I say that, that's why we, we, we invited you and um, we're happy to have you here. So, next question. Um, you have two beautiful names. And mm. uh, the name Brenda... <laughs> is um, the very first guest on this podcast was named Bre- Brenda. So Brenda uh-huh. is a name that's now synonymous with friends of this show because uh-huh. the person who was supposed to be the co-host of this podcast is also named Brenda. But she may have even yeah. forgotten that this podcast exists. But she's a mad, intelligent woman. If you meet her, she's literally the younger version of me. Younger and better looking version of me. I was about to say. Yes, I was yes. About and I don't think I've met an ugly looking Brenda. So all mm-hmm. Brenda's are beautiful, you know. And mm-hmm. um, she, but just life happened and she, she couldn't, and she lives in a different borough. So it would have been, yeah, longer commute for her to come here. And then the pandemic also. So yeah, that's why she's not the co-host. Well, I might do something with her later on and still bring her on board for that. And, uh, and we got you now. So, we would like to know what's the meaning of your names. We have Brenda and then we have Trinkam, a name that we've never heard. I don't think I've ever heard a name like that. How did you mm-hmm. come about those names and you know the meaning? So Brenda, I believe, means beacon on the hill. 
still. I know that when I was a kid, my mom had this mug made for each of us with the definitions of our names. So my own mug said Beacon on the Hill. Interesting. And then Twinkum, actually, my dad is the one who created that name. So it's not, there's no particular meaning to it, but it's um, a version of a name from my tribe, which he westernized. So the real spelling is supposed to be T-C-H-O-U-E-N-K-A-M. So it's supposed to be Chuenkam. But along the way, when he was registered in school, they mispronounced and they mistyped his name. And just every time he's moved, someone somewhere has mispronounced, mistyped his name. And now we ended up with Chuenkam by the time I was born. So (laughs) that's how that name came about. So it's just error. That led to that day. Oh, wow. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. You know what? I know I've seen a couple of um, footballers in the French League, League on with names that mm. sound similar to what you just spelled. And I was like, huh. Wow. Because that's my mind. I know there's a young kid at uh, Monaco right now and I think France has, as usual, France has already claimed him, so uh, <laughs> yes. yeah, the, 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 you just the name is just, you, almost ex- word, letter by letter you, you just literally spelled his name because I can never pronounce his name and I was just like, wait a minute, did mm. you just spell that guy's name? Huh, wow, so he might he might be your relation. He's most likely, yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. I don't know about relation, but he's most likely from that area. Okay. Well, he might, he might still be related. He doesn't know, but he might. He doesn't know. But... <laughs> wow, that's uh. Yeah, but it's also fascinating because you're not the first guest that I've had on the podcast whose name got changed. Even my name, you know, my uh original family name is Ari A R I, and. Uh, mm. Yeah, well, the one version that I've gotten of the story, because, you know, families never give you the full version, but the one version that uh, seems to be the most consistent, and I've said it on the podcast before, was, um, I think, was either my great-grandfather um, was at school, and they said they claimed the white man couldn't pronounce, a, had, had mm-hmm. struggled with ARI, which is a common story, in most colonized areas, and so ARI became Harry. Changed to Harry, from Ari to <laughs> Harry, and I'm like, you made three letters, five letters, like you made it longer. It became that became easier to pronounce. Three letters became mm-hmm. five letters because I still have some family members who go by Ari, and because um yeah, there are other people who are in my area who. Um, there's a bigger clan of my tribe, but in the next door state, who are Harris. But mm-hmm. every time if they meet me here, they they think that I'm from that clan. I'm like, no, I'm not um, from. And they're like, wait, there's no, there's not supposed to be people like there's supposed to be Harris there. And I'm like, yeah, they're not. But it makes sense why <laughs> they're always surprised yeah. when they see Harry because yeah, we're not. I'm not supposed to be Harry. So it, it was just it's more recently that we changed to Harris. So it's like, oh, well, I'm surprised there's a Harry that exists. The Harrys that exist there? How how the Harrys come about? I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm, I don't feel like going down that lane. <laughs> but even Ari, Ari doesn't even sound like an African last name. Where is that? Uh, Ari 
if you say it, Ari. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so yeah, it's when it comes. But I've had one or two people on the podcast who have had similar stories than their their their, their parents or their grandparents or their great grandparents. Somebody changed the name. And mm-hmm. Yep, and that's how they ended up with the names that they have today. And it's like, wow, that's uh, how our names kept changing. And yeah, yeah. So, so cause some people have asked me if I'll change my name black and i'm like really i'm i'm an adult grown i'm used to the name now then i'll just go ch- nah I'm, I'm not changing it again it's uh nah i'm who i am now <laughs> it sticks with me <laughs> so um one thing i forgot to ask you before asking about your name was uh where where did the name come from because you haven't told us that where which one came from the Brenda or the Twinkam? Um, well, you have. Uh, I did not ask about uh, where were your place of birth. Introduce your place of birth and mm. what your childhood was like. So I was born in Libreville, in hey, Gabon. The first no. person to be born in Libreville on this podcast. <laughs> but I identify more as Cameroon. I have a Lib- I have a Gabonese birth certificate, but I had a Cameroonian passport. Uh, my childhood was pretty amazing. Unbeknownst to me, apparently we were broke at one time, but it was one of the best moments of my life. My dad was a diplomat at the time, and we moved from Gabon to New York. We lived in New York for seven years of my life. And then he was recalled by the government in 1997, mm-hmm. but he moved on to Angola, we moved to Cameroon. So that's where I got my first Cameroonian experience when I was eight years old. So we went, we lived in Cameroon for eight years and then moved to Canada, at least most of us. Some people went to the UK, others US, but I came to Canada with my little sister and I have been here ever since then. So it's been, what, 15 years that I've been here. And yeah, I've been enjoying it. My childhood, I, I would say, it was a really nice culture mix because we had the whole Cameroonian identity at home. Then we'd go to school, American, American, American. And we're consuming so much American culture that when we moved back to Cameroon, we were lost. And it was such a culture shock for all of us. We hated it when we were in Cameroon for a long time. We hated it. The, the smell, the weather, the the French. We didn't understand French. All these, we, yeah. But then <laughs> we, I know, I know, electricity or lack of. Yeah. <laughs> the water shortage, the mosquitoes. It was just, it was a lot. It was a lot for us. But eventually, we appreciated it. I, I don't plan on living there, but I appreciate, I appreciate Cameroon for what it is. It was a, I had a good childhood, really good childhood. So, your parents are Cameroonian. Yes, both of them. Okay, so that's that was the beginning of you identifying as Cameroonian, even though you were born in Gabon. Yes. Okay. Oh yes. Okay, so um, when you moved to America early in life, where where in America did you stay? In? Roosevelt Island. I don't know if you know where that is. Roosevelt Island. Why does it sound familiar? So we used to take the tram 
it's the, the tram that floats in the air and it takes you to the island and brings you back. Wait, is that that's, so that's not New York, right? It is. It's it's a part of New York. It's considered wow. yeah. New York. Okay, that, that's why I was sounding familiar. I was like Roosevelt Island. Yeah. Right, that's 2020. That's done something to me. It's changed a lot of places that... Yeah, 2020 has changed because I haven't been... I've, I think I've only been outside Brooklyn twice since... Wow. Yeah. Yeah, we have to... Yeah, we have, we have, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. It's Yeah, that's, uh, I haven't even been to the Bronx to go find Ghanaian food. 2020, that year. Um, I've been, probably been to more boroughs than you, even as an adult. Uh, I've, I've been, been everywhere. I said... Because the, that's the pandemic has made me not go anywhere. Okay. That's the point. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, I thought you meant you had never been. What what, what, what you mean? What you trying to say? What you trying to say? I said 2020 hey, has messed everything. Home. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, Roosevelt. Okay. So, oh, so you came to New York and was living living in life, but not living the life because yeah. you were in Brooklyn. So we can't, we're not, you know, we're, we're biased. <laughs> we're biased here. So, and then you went back. Okay, so yeah, that culture shock. That's reverse culture shock. Woof, woof, woof. I know. <laughs> so, uh, where in Cameroon did you stay uh, when you returned back? So, we stayed in the capital, Yaoundé. Okay. But they sent us to boarding schools as we reached the ages of nine or ten. We were sent, each of us started being sent to boarding schools. So and what, that was in a different city. What, what was your boarding school experience like? Because we've had different experiences on this podcast with boarding schools, and I know what boarding schools are like. I know, yeah, I know, I know boarding schools down down to the nitty gritty. You went to boarding school too. I did not, but my school was mixed. We had day students and boarding schools, so I knew everything that was happening in boarding mm. schools. Yeah, I went to an all girls boarding school in Bamenda, which is a different city. Okay, it's I've about four hundred. 400 kilometers from Yaoundé. And it was a, a traumatic experience. Uh, but on the good side, that's the place where I met my closest friends to date. I've never been able to bond with other people the way I bonded with the friends I made there. They know me the most in this entire world. My best friends all came from that experience. However, the, the experiences that we had, all of us agree, like no child should have gone through what we went through just to get an education. Yeah. They thought they were making us these well-rounded figures, but there was just too much trauma that was going on there that a lot of the authorities were not aware of. And sometimes they were aware of, they were a part of it as well and discrimination that was going on and bullying, but we got through it. Uh, and I don't think I would ever send my children there, but it's okay. <laughs> well, well, um, was it a Catholic boarding school? Yes. Okay. It was. Yeah. Yes. So no hair, no earrings, no yeah. jewelry, no makeup, just, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. One of those. I, I understand. And it's okay if you don't wish to relive that experience by sharing anything <laughs> from there. That's fine. If you wish to share something from there, that's also fine. It's up to you. I don't want to make you relieve a traumatic experience. So, yeah. uh, what got me through it was the fact that I was I was extremely smart. I mean, I still am, but at least in in the whole school, yeah. everyone knew me for being okay. smart. 
So that's that was my thing. It's like, okay, as long as I can keep doing well in classes, at least now people will put me on a high pedestal. Like, okay, she might not be the coolest. She might be very quiet. She might not be the prettiest, but she's smart. <laughs> that was my thing. Like, everyone that, knew that, that was that, That's a survival technique. That's yes. A, yeah, that, that, yeah, that's a survival technique in um, environments like that. So, yeah. Despite all that happening, what would you consider your favorite childhood memory? And you can give more than one. Mm. Well, definitely not in the school, but uh, <laughs> favorite childhood memory. I think the one that might take the cake is when we were in New York. We wanted Super Nintendo so badly. We still believed in Santa Claus at the time, mind you. <laughs> but we... You know, my parents kept telling us, oh, you know, times are hard. We don't know if Santa will be able to afford to get us this. I mean, at the time, we didn't know that my dad's salary has had been cut by 60%. We did not know. So we were broke, but we yeah. just knew that. And then Christmas Day, you know, we opened under the Christmas tree because there were no gifts the night before. And in the morning, the gifts. And the big gift was the Super Nintendo. My dad recorded our reactions wow. and as an adult seeing the reaction you just like this is how happy we were like, you don't understand we were all all of us that's what we wanted collectively and i don't even i barely knew what a video game was i just knew that it's something that was cool that's what i knew my brothers well, were older they knew the value but having a super nintendo it, it was this was the 90s you were you were cool yep. <laughs> you had a super nintendo yep. Kids come to our house to play. Mm -hmm. So I was like, we got a Super Nintendo when Super Nintendo was hot. It was the thing. And we got Mario, Donkey Kong, Diddy's Quest. We had all these cool games. And it was like, yeah, that was very, like, my dad was like, you guys don't know how much I sacrificed to get that <laughs> game for you. <laughs> uh, but it was yeah. worth it. Uh, yeah, yeah, that was cool because, uh, yeah, I never, I never got, <laughs> I never got oh, that. I was, I was only wishing, and that probably still plays a role in why I can't play video games today. Oh, and oh wow! Yeah, I, I, <laughs> what, what were you getting for Christmas? Uh, <laughs> toothbrush. <laughs> well, you got you, you got, if you got maybe twenty naira and some change, man. Oh, oh. Uh, it was nothing. I mean, you. Later on, they will have um, uh, what do they call it? Uh, actually, I had the guy on my podcast, um, someone who, who's that had the first video game store in our city, and he wasn't playing there. He was playing at the the video game store that I was going to play at, yeah. and he brought some of the games that we were playing at that store. Mm -hmm. So myself and this gentleman, he's a musician now, and he lives in Sweden. So we're in the same room in <laughs> our teenage years. We are around the same age and we're both dads, girl dads today. And so we're in the same room at one point in time when we we're teenagers, but we didn't know each other then. <laughs> but as life, we have it. I saw him on YouTube one day and I asked him to come on the podcast. And he oh. came and when he was sharing his story, I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> you you and I must have been in the same room back then because... Oh. I was saving all my money to go play video games because, you know, that was all my pocket change. I won't, I won't eat. <laughs> I'll take all my yeah. money. I was like, yeah, 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 let me go play. But if you had a video, if you had a family who could afford one, 
man, you were you were a rock star, you know. So, uh, yeah, that was. Uh, but with time, I couldn't even get the pocket change and all that. So, you, you, and then I moved to a different city. That uh, yeah, nobody. There was no video game stores around me uh, or kiosks. And by the time I will, they they would start showing up. Maybe like two, three years later, man, I, I, I wasn't interested in playing. <laughs> I was interested because you know you can't be waiting for two three years, yeah, <laughs> to play. So yeah, so by the time they will sh- they will pop up, yeah, it was hard for me to recover. And then by the time <laughs> yeah. I moved to the states, when I had my own money and I bought video games, I was getting so frustrated <laughs> just playing. <laughs> so it turned into DVD um, players for me, and it's, but well, I just intentionally bought it as a status symbol just to show yeah. that yeah I've overcome this. You know, I've have it, but I, with time, I'm I, like, why am I even buying this? Everybody's like buying PlayStation, so I bought a PlayStation. But I was getting it for cheap, though. And then I was like, nah, I don't really need this. It's just something, it's a mental thing that I'm doing to myself because I did not, I wasn't buying the, the games. But it's like somebody will, somebody will buy the latest PlayStation. I'm like, hey, man, I want to get rid of mine. You want it? I'm like, yeah, 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 I want it. Mm-hmm. I'll get it for cheap. And so, somebody's like literally giving me their Xbox. Oh, okay, I'll take it. And I'm like, nah, I, I don't really need it. So... Yeah, but probably I'll have to buy one now for my daughter. The older she gets, she might want to play. And I can't be like, oh, I'm not going to let you play video games. Nah, nah, nah. She has to play. Kids, there are stuff for kids to play. So maybe I'll have to learn now because of my kid. You have to play with her. Oh, yeah. So maybe that's the best way for me to learn, playing kids stuff. (laughs) That's the best way. So I might start there and then. Like, oh, so this is why I couldn't play all this time. All them other games. Maybe I was playing the hard stuff. Maybe it's the kid stuff that I needed. <laughs> start with Mario. Always start with Mario. Ah, yeah. I can't even remember last time I played Mario. I was in the 90s. <laughs> yeah. But see, Mario is, is the best way to start. Ah. All of them. Because there's Mario for everything. So just choose a Mario game. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see, but yeah, I, I listen. I do listen to um. There's there's a uh, there's uh one of my my the fav- my favorite podcasters in the world, um the black guy who tips, so husband and wife. They the wife she was talking about a video game that she plays that is meant for kids and it's just painting, and I was like, wow, that sounds like something that my my daughter would like because my daughter likes to just paint and just draw. I was like, oh, maybe there's a way to get us started. But sometimes, like, if I may bring that around some of my, you know, some 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 dads, and people are like, hey, you, you, you mean you mean you want to get your your child to be playing this video game thing? Huh? It's not dangerous. What do you mean it's dangerous? Don't <laughs> you play? Don't you play FIFA? <laughs> are you not? Are you a dangerous person? It's different. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a grown man. It's different. I'm like, oh man. I want my daughter to play. Let her play. Let her have fun. We did. It's it's for her. You know, she, she, I don't want her to come in near my laptop, though. So she can go play with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm all about giving my kids the experience that I did not have. And, you know, and, yeah, I don't want her to... It's not for her to get to, to be an adult and then, oh, start finding all that stuff. No, I enjoy it from, from young, you know. I'm yes, I'm privileged now to be able to provide some of it. So mm-hmm. why deny her, right? Yeah. There you if go. You can. If I can, I, I give it to her. So 
Yeah, but it was beautiful hearing that story because, yeah, it just took me back to those days where I would be like, I don't know, did you guys have this thing where around Christmas time, you, you, um, for us in Nigeria, where my part of Nigeria, you, when it was around Christmas, you write your, the, the, the gifts or the presents that you wanted in a notebook. And then when visitors came over, you presented the notebook like, hey, so they'll, 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 um, initial or they'll sign next to what they will like to give you. So you had from like the lowest to like the most expensive items that you could think of. You put it all in this book and be like, hey, here you go. And that's how you found out the cheapest people, the cheap skates. Yeah. yeah. I, now I can say there's a whole bunch of cheap people. Cause oh, wait, 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 yeah, toothbrush. Yeah, you put tooth. So you, and as a kid, you didn't, you didn't, you did not figure it out that you had to only put toothbrush like maybe three times. Cause if you put ten toothbrushes, man, that's where they're going. Everybody going like toothbrush, man. Toothbrush like um, I spent like man, maybe two cents, 20, 20, 20 cents for toothbrush. Man, this kid asking for what? Play, what's this? What's this? What's this Nintendo thing? Need me what? What's need me what? Man, huh? What's that? Is a video game? V uh, hell no. Uh, spend money for that. Toothbrush. There you go. Uh, another toothbrush. Okay, the next person, toothbrush. Well, yeah, yeah, I buy you soda. <laughs> so everybody look at Well, as a kid, you don't think about it. You like, you, know, you put everything, you fill up the book with as many items, and then you don't realize that uh, no, the people are like, uh, yeah, you're giving us options. So we'll go for the cheapest option. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize at the end of the day that um, all the expensive options, nobody signed. On that, yeah. and even the cheapest options, they don't still give it to you. They'll be like, I, I, I'll give you the, uh, come, 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 see me on this day. I get you. The, I give you the money for this. And, man, mm. there's people who owe me to this day. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, but now I get it. I was like, oh, the, what I should have been doing back then was be a capitalist and be like, you know what? Only one page, one toothbrush, one. Nintendo, everything, you know, mm -hmm. just one item. And then, so once the first person to sign, once it signed on the cheapest thing, the next option mm -hmm. was expensive items. Like, oh man, I can't, I can't, you know, you, you look at them, you make the puppy eyes. That's when they be like, oh, this, this child looking at me, I can't disappoint this child now. Oh, um, um, you know what? I'll sign on the expensive one. I'll give it to you in five days time and that adult won't show up on your street anymore. Disappear. <laughs> <laughs> ah, oh well, enough of me though. <laughs> so, um, you guys stayed in the United States, came back to Canada. Oh, sorry, to Cameroon, and then we'll make the move back to. Uh, we'll make the move to Canada, right? Yes. Um, how old were you when that move? To Canada happened. I was sixteen. Okay, so, um, all right. Before we dive into the official move to Canada, we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we shall get the full details and gist into Canada, and then dive into your career, the present day, and you know all the juice that you're gonna give us. Mm. All righty. Hi everyone, we've made it two years and who would have thought so? So let's go further. 
and make it three, make it four, make it five, make it six, who knows, 20. But we can't do this without your support. So join us on Patreon at patreon.com slash white label American P-O-D pod or linktree.com slash white label American. Go there and you will see our Patreon link and you can join us for as low as $3. We have bonus content, we have bonus materials. There's so much juice over there that we don't release to the public. And yeah, you can contribute in making this podcast better. You can send questions, you can send your ideas. And also there's a lot of new things that are coming. The announcements are made on Patreon first because we have to, you know, take care of people who help make this podcast possible so you can be the one to make this podcast what you want it to be come join us on patreon and make it what you like to see join us make it fantastic keep the five stars coming in keep the love coming in thank you for the privilege of your company okay welcome back thank you for staying with us and we shall continue this amazing and beautiful journey so, do you remember the flight that you took on your way to Canada from Cameroon? The airline. Mean, the airline. Oh, the airline. Yeah, no, I shouldn't it have said was, flight. The airline. Yeah. <laughs> no, I know. Was, I know it was a European airline because we stopped in Zurich. So. Oh, okay. So, you, probably, probably Switzerland. Probably. Yeah. Yeah. I always ask that question because for some reason, a whole bunch of people on this podcast, have been flown by KLM. <laughs> no, I was supposed to So I'm trying to get data so I can contact KLM and be like, look here, man. Oh. Give me that money. Why? Uh, they owe me money. You just come, Why? just bring the money and come sponsor me. Like, look, you've flown a bunch of people on this podcast to, <laughs> out of Africa. So Africa and wherever in the world, you got no choice now. You get better come start sponsoring this show. You got no choice. So, well, but you now you're the first person to have flown Switzerland. So we'll we mark that down. And then maybe if we get up to like five more people from who flown the Swiss air, we'll be like, hey, Swiss people, you got no choice now. You got to. You got Let to. me know how that goes. All right. Yeah, we'll share. We'll share. Okay. Yeah. Good luck. We'll love to share. <laughs> so um when you arrived in canada did you go straight to the city that you're currently based in or did you arrive did you go somewhere else oh i arrived in hamilton ontario and my sister and i went to boarding school there another boarding school did, again my I parents mean. they love boarding schools love it but at least this one was better i mean Boarding school in Canada versus boarding school in Cameroon. Is, this yeah. was luxury, luxury <laughs> living. My sister and I had our own bedroom. Uh, curfew was, I believe, 11 p.m. All of the meals were provided for. All of our meals were buffet style. They gave us midnight snacks. Oh. It was exactly. Are you sure that's exactly. a that's a boarding school a resort? It was, we were going to Canada's Wonderland, we'd go to Toronto, Niagara Falls, Halloween. Like, there was always something to do. They would, okay, like, wait, 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 wait. As someone who just moved from Cameroon, what was your first Halloween? That first Halloween, how did you react to that? 
I mean, I had the experience Halloween in America, so for me, this okay. was soft. Oh, that yeah, it was, it, yeah, yeah, you're not, yeah. The, you're not the right person to ask that question. No, that was you, nothing. You, you were already, <laughs> you were already westernized. Dang. Yeah. Ah, no, no, because yeah, yeah, you you weren't that person who I would have who would have witchcraft. No. no. Or you'd have well, you 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 weren't you were the type to sneak out and be like, oh, it's witchcraft, though, but let me try it. I still want to try it. No. No. So yeah, so okay. were, your, were your family cool with you doing Halloween? Because I usually for Halloween we would just wear African prints. Mm. So that's <laughs> we okay. always African queens or African princesses. Okay. So that was our thing. yeah. Did you get any funny comments or strange comments like wow are you are you from coming uh, to America or no no not even those because it was an international boarding school. So mm -hmm. a lot of the population were Africans or Asians. And there was only, I think it was only one guy who was from North America. So everyone was coming with their own culture. So it wasn't like, yeah, this weird thing. Some of the Indians wore their saris for Halloween. Yeah. Everyone was doing their own thing. Oh, no, no, no. We can't count that anymore. Nope. nope. No. Just, just, no, no. We move on. We move on. Hamilton. Yeah, you're the, oh, yeah, you're the second person who, uh, when oh, yeah. she arrived in Canada, was in Hamilton. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I was like, that name sounds familiar. Yes, uh, Matilda also was in um, Hamilton. Oh, oh yeah, that's true. She's in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did Hamilton, and then I moved to Toronto after I graduated from university. Then I moved to Montreal, and now I'm in Ottawa. So, yeah. Oh, nice, nice. So, school, uh, school aside, oh, uh, yeah, school aside. What was your first shock? Or surprise in Canada. Like you, just because I had lived in New York, there was no big surprise. But I guess the only surprise was with the school mm -hmm. itself. But I wasn't surprised about the Canadian culture. I was something I was used to. But I would say maybe with the school, it was just how. To me, laxed they were. You know, you're used to boarding school back home. It's so strict, and here, yeah. no one was following you around. Like it was so. We're so adult, like when we were just what 16, but you felt like an adult. Everything was in your hands. You could, you could go to class, or you could not go to class. You could, you know, go to the mall after school and hang out till 9 p.m. You could go and buy donuts across the street, and it was just so lax. It was, everything was relaxed. They had cleaning ladies who were who would come and clean all the time. I was just yeah surprised at how lazy I could be. Wow, <laughs> got your first taste of freedom. Uh, it was sweet. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I would take you back a little bit. No, I'm taking you back though. But you said because you've been uh, you've been to America, you weren't surprised by. Canada, in a way, mm -hmm. but uh, you know we keep hearing that Canadians are nice, you know, in comparison yeah. to Americans and all yeah. that. And if you had been used to New York and you know New York hustle and bustle, <laughs> and you know how New Yorkers would like to move, you know, and uh, 
Canadians being relaxed, you know, being yeah. uh, Canadians, do they like to move that fast like New York or what? Didn't that surprise you in any way? Didn't nothing shock you in that manner? No, the, the pace was slower, but mind you, just because we lived on Roosevelt Island, Roosevelt Island is not as cutthroat and hectic as the New York boroughs. Roosevelt well, Island was cutthroat. Roosevelt, as I said, cutthroat. Roosevelt Island was more relaxed, slower paced. There was one church on the island. So we all knew each other. All the Christians uh, <laughs> on the island knew each other. We would all go. There's there's one there's one church on my there's okay, there's like three. Okay, never mind. There's well continue what you were saying. I was just counting <laughs> churches in my in my neighborhood, but yeah. Yeah, there was one public school that all the kids went to. So that's why when I'm comparing, I'm comparing it to Roosevelt Island and not New York, New York. So Canada would be more similar to Roosevelt Island than New York, New York. But definitely the people were nicer and more patient. You bump into someone, they tell you sorry. It was Oh, so Canadians are apologizing. Yeah. What do you mean? New York is nice. We are full of nice. We are very nice people. We tell you the yeah. truth to your face. Yeah. You know, if you suck, you suck. Yeah. Isn't that nice? I mean, man, this is this, this people just don't respect New York. This is this is this is sad. This is sad. This is sad. One dollar pizza. Okay, well now it's increased though, but it's still the inflation. Put it that way. But look at New York is New York is expensive. Look at what you guys pay in rent. My goodness. Have you been to London? That no, I'm comparing it to Canada. I'm comparing oh, to what okay, I know. Yeah, yeah. Well, well Canada, you, you people, you people only have like a quarter of the land where people live. The rest is for moose and for <laughs> polar bears. So I mean, yeah, well, why? That's why Canada is cheap. Uh, you know, it's just you know, it's, it's normal. It's, you know. Yeah, it's no New York is so crazy. So, <laughs> I'm big, no. mm. I gotta come to Canada and play them. I still haven't, but yeah, Toronto, Toronto is where it's at. I'll come there. Yes. So, in all this, from your freedom, how did you, uh, you know, you you get into, you find your freedom from school and all this. How did you begin to discover the path that? you are currently on you know what inspired you to go into where you are currently you know where you are currently on what what pushed you onto that part it took a lot of trial and error i thought i was going to be a medical doctor mm. actually wrote my mcats i went for the interviews everything i did everything i did not get into any medical schools. I, I did that for two years with the, the MCATs, the applications. I did that twice. And I did not think I was meant to be a doctor. I did some um, interning at a hospital in Hamilton, and I did not enjoy the experience. I realized, that, okay, maybe this is my parents' dream. This is not my dream. So that was really, really hard, telling African parents, you don't want to be a doctor anymore. Mm, so after that... Imagine. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, they were not happy. And then after that, I got a job at a call center. It was, to date, it's still the worst job I've had. 
But I just needed to make my own money because my parents were done paying for everything for me since I was not going to be a doctor. So I had to fend for myself, get an apartment, pay rent, get my first job, all of that stuff. And it was during that process that I started being interested in blogging. So when I started with my blogging, I would post pictures of me wearing the African prints my mom had brought from back home. And people would really like it. Ha! Huh, I'm telling this was 50, 16 years ago. So African prints weren't trendy like they were now. So I would wear them, people would appreciate them. It's like, okay, I would get likes, comments. That's when I, I started using Facebook. I wasn't on Instagram, it was Facebook. Okay. I joined Instagram late compared to everyone else. I was just Facebook, Facebook. And then later on, I joined Instagram, and that's when even more people were appreciating my sense of stuff. Like, okay, I guess I can dress. And then I was known as can never be a skinny bitch <laughs> because <laughs> at the time I was I was really struggling with my weight. It was this yo-yoing diet and one day I had lost 50 pounds. Another day I gained 20. It was just me ranting and venting about not being able to be skinny. So <laughs> that was how the book was. But people were more interested in my fashion. So I started talking less about the week, more about the fashion. Mm-hmm. And I noticed people appreciated that more. So that's when I started uh, partnering with local designers in Toronto. They would send me stuff to wear. I would wear the stuff, they would get orders, and I would get free stuff. Like, ah, this is perfect. I don't have to spend money on clothes. I just have to wear the clothes, take pictures. People like it, they they buy their clothes. So now, after some years, I'm like, I'm doing this for people. Why can I (laughs) do this for myself? I'm giving other people all this money. So that's when I decided to start working on my own brand, my own fashion brand. But that was hard because it was hard to find tailors. It was hard to find uh, production. It, that was a big mess. So that's when I moved. I didn't move. I traveled to Cameroon for four months to start working on my business because I wanted the items to be made in Cameroon. I wanted to work with local talent in Cameroon. That was important to me. I didn't want to go the China route like most of my competitors. So. I went home and it was a struggle. It was a struggle. Lack of electricity. You start in the morning by 2 p.m. Light has gone out. Yeah. There's nothing that you can do. They have to, the tailors have to go back home. You don't know if the next day it's going to be better. You know, working at home, people, there's no accountability. There is no accountability. Yeah. Okay. Someone will just call you and tell you, my child is sick. I'm not coming. And I go, <laughs> And there's nothing you can do. <laughs> child is sick. Whether the child is sick or not, uh, nothing. Or they're, they're sewing a dress and then they get a call and their husband is telling them to come back home. It's like, oh, yeah. there's nothing you can do. That's 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 true. <laughs> so it was, a, it was a big struggle. Like the, I didn't meet my deadlines at all. I had to keep pushing back my launching date. It was a big mess, big mess having the stuff made. But I'm glad I was able to at least launch a website my first collection was made in Cameroon. I was so happy, but I was not able to keep that up. It meant I would have to be going back to Cameroon often. And at the time, I could not afford it. My parents were also moving back to Canada. They were no longer going to be there. And the only person I would have trusted would be my mom to 
run things, but if she wasn't going to be there, I was like, nah, that can happen. So then I had to find someone here in Canada, actually two women, to be sewing my clothes. Again, cost of production increased, yeah. so my prices had to increase. Different market. It was, yo, this is, is growing pains. Growing pains being an entrepreneur, especially when it comes to clothing and dealing with that. It's extremely challenging. At least for me, I know that a lot of people just go the Alibaba or AliExpress route um, in terms of sourcing for production. I really did not want to. I really want to work with, you know, local talent. I want to work with this, but it's much more expensive, much more. It's it's slower because you, yeah. it's not in bulk. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that you you are sharing this. I have some experience in this field without mm-hmm. even realizing that I did have some experience <laughs> because yeah, that's one thing about me. Like there, and I've, I've been in different things in my life and it's just crazy how it happened. And it's not like I went out looking for it. Um, the very first official job that I did without even putting it on any of my resumes, I don't still do that. Um, uh, was at age 16, my elder sister, who was a fashion, who is a fashion designer. Well, she, yeah, she's a fashion designer. I think she still does. I don't know. We are not on talking terms anymore. But she sent me to, uh, yeah, she just called me one day. I was around 16, 15, 16. She just said, gave me a couple of fabrics and said, go to the biggest uh, fabric market then it was the largest fabric market in west africa and uh, i was living in Ibadan and said go get this fabric and on the list that she gave me do not pay above this amount mm-hmm. good luck bye and be back at this hour so yeah so of course you know you go and you get harassed there because it's literally dragging into the, the stores hey, hey, hey come come and i was really lanky if you see my photos then i was a skinny lad and wow, uh, really? I was really skinny. You know, if you see my photos, then you're like, yeah, well, you know, when Nigerians see you, now, like, I remember how people back home they see me now, they're like, oh boy, you don't fat, oh, you don't fat. They, they don't, they don't say, you don't know how to say you put on weight. They just say you don't fat. That's how they just yeah. say it, you know. And uh, yeah, I came back actually. I bought more fabric than she was expecting, and that was my introduction to procurement, and that's how I began in supply chain. <laughs> And I would not even know about the world supply chain until after I've even done my service in the Navy. But I was still the supply chain for the United States government. <laughs> so um, later on, after I started buying fabric for my elder sister, um, her husband, who was based in South Africa, would show up not knowing that he had been selling some of the clothes that she was making. And then he brought two guys who... Um, one of them is the best dude I've ever seen when it comes to embroidery. I don't know where Jamal is today. I wish I knew. I'll pay money to bring that guy here. That guy can look at you. That's the only guy I've seen who can literally just stare at you and you embroider your face into any fabric you give him. He can oh. do it. The only thing that kills him is women. <laughs> if he can get over Women, that guy, that's where it blows his money on. But Jamal is one of the most talented human beings I've seen when it comes to embroidery. Because that mm. guy literally embroidered. They did it for 
over, I think they spent two months, they were just making embroidery, um, they were making all manner of clothes, like, um, um, what do they call them uh, again? Uh, Agbada, um, mm. um, damn, what's Guinea brocade? All those outfits, the, like the Senegalese, cut, um, I forgot what they call that material. Yeah, all this stuff that's keeping my, 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 my brain now. But those guys were just working like 24 7. They bought, bought a generator. I was always going to find petroleum because then uh, uh, gas was scarce. And I was, I was the guy, that was part of my job. I'll go find it. You know, I'll stay, I'll sleep at the gas station if I have to. But yeah, part of the procurement. But they were just, but Jamal will just sit down and they, you give him the, they're bringing pictures for him and he was just embroidering faces, designs, all manner of stuff. So he was the guy who actually made me switch from, because then I used to only wear t-shirts. And Jamal <laughs> told my elder sister that they should give him fabric. He will make me wear traditional prints. And he made an outfit for me and he said I can wear it with, um, on, on, uh, with, with jeans and anything that I wanted. And that was like, uh, yeah, that was one of the dopest outfits. I don't know who stole it. One of my cousins stole it from me. But yeah, that was, yeah, when I put it on, I brought, I brought like five customers for my sister that day because I wore it to one of the fanciest hotels. You know, I was trying to, I was trying to show off to the ladies and there were some rich kids there nice. who came up to me. I was like, man, where, where did you buy this from? Who, who, where did you buy it? I need that store. And I was like, oh, my sister. Man, they, they got our address and they showed up the next day. That's how good that guy's work is. Then people, they, you don't tell people that that guy works for you because they'll be trying to steal him from you. Yeah. So that was, but my brother-in-law would just take everything the guy made. They didn't even sell it. In Nigeria, they just took it to South Africa to go sell. That mm -hmm. was, that, that's how heavy. And then later on, the, they couldn't even keep him. So he ended up in Lagos working for some lady. Last time I saw him was, uh, I think it was 2004. The place, I went to the place, they told me where it was working. I went there, there was a security guy who pointed a gun at me <laughs> because the owner thought I was coming to steal him. <laughs> that's how serious. Yeah, that's how serious they, 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 they take it. They, they, they guy the guy. But he's, and when he saw me, he saw me through the window that I was, the, the security guard was pointing a gun at me and he came out like, hey, babe, what's up, what's up, what's up? He was just happy to see me. And, but that guy, like, Man, embroidery, yeah, that's, but everything you described about when it comes to the production, it's, mm -hmm. it's not lie. It's, it's even in Nigeria, same thing. The, yeah. It was, yeah, because Jamal, Jamal was the guy, he, he loved the job. So he was like the perfect person for something like that. You get him, he, he you had to even tell him like, dude, take a break. Because he could just keep going and going and going. Like he, as far as you gave him all the tools that he needed. He would just be producing for you, producing and producing, and then you would be the one worried like this guy's not taking a break. Because he, he, he had a generator. <laughs> he's like, okay, I can keep going. So then he always stopped to pray because he's a Muslim. So he would stop to pray. Other than that, he was just going and going and going. Eat, pray, eat, pray. That's when he would stop. And then he had to be like, hey, man, don't walk on this. Don't walk. And it take like two, two, three days off. He's like, no, 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 no take two, three. That, but the other guy would be like, oh, you know what? Uh, that, uh, that guy will bring the other one excuse and this. Yeah. And yeah. So, and after that, they tried to get some other guys to come do the job. Yeah. One day, the guy just didn't show up. And I knew where the guy lived. And I went to check on him. He's like, oh, you know, my back. And 
And the, yeah, I saw him. Then I said, okay. I, I, I went and told my my sister. She's like, okay. He's sick. Okay, check on him tomorrow. The next day, I, I went there. The guy was smoking. So he's like, man, I'm not coming. In. I'm not. I don't want to work. I don't. That's too much work. You guys have. I said, I thought you were looking for a job. Yeah, but not that type of job. You guys have way too much work. <laughs> <laughs> and we, after that, it, it became difficult to get someone who can match that productivity. And that's so it, it, it's it's something that uh. It, it, yeah, it's it's not easy. It's not easy, and I get why people go that. Um, and that's one reason why the the China route works, mm -hmm. because people just see that they don't have to deal with all that. Yeah, it's just so it's smooth sailing for them. Oh, why why do I have exactly. to worry? I don't have to worry. But if you are the person who wants to do something for people back home, then you have to deal with the mm -hmm. frustration. You have to deal with you know. The stuff that people don't see on the outside, but everybody's like, yeah, yeah, this one is bringing business home. But yeah, if you're bringing business home, there's a whole lot of ah, that you have to deal with. It's just, mm -hmm. and I wish people back home understood this. I wish they would get the message and know that the people who are bringing the, the business back home need to be supported. Mm -hmm. From the government down to the people who benefit at the you know the people at the very bottom who benefit that's why you need to support the people it's not just uh when a dangote opens a refinery when a bilonia opens it's not until a bilonia opens a refinery it's the small businesses those are yeah. people that you need to support because if you're not supporting them who they won't take the risk it's like people taking the risk that's how you do it and that's how you move your economy but it's always like we wait for the biggest person to come bring something and then we want to celebrate and so yeah, but I appreciate you, though. I appreciate you because that, that's, uh, yeah, it, it's a lot to go through that. And, yeah, and, and uh, I, I saw it. I've seen it with my two eyes. And then I didn't get it. But, uh, yeah, I do. I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. So, yeah. So um, you, 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 you mentioned the blogging. And mm -hmm. that was that the travel blogging or did, you, did that come up later on? No, so the blog is a lifestyle blog. So okay. I include, yeah, everything. My travels, my fashion, my thoughts and opinions on things. Just everyday life in general. All right, but I, I want to focus on the traveling. When when did you become comfortable with traveling, like going on vacations? Because for an African woman, an African-born woman, most of us, like even men, especially those of us from the West Central African part of the uh, those of us born in West Central Africa that I've met or come across it's like when you say vacation we're all traveling back home <laughs> that's vacation and I consider that work I don't consider that vacation because you know you're not really going to relax you're going there for work it's rare to see it's in the most recent years that I've started seeing people saying oh I'm going for vacation and then we'll go somewhere else. And mm. I know people will get mad. Like, what? You, you say you're, I thought you said you were going for vacation. Why didn't you go home? Why well, I, I did not see you come home. So when did you get into that mind frame of I'm going on vacation and it doesn't have to be only going to Cameroon? You know, I'm not limited to mm. just going to Cameroon for vacation. I think that started probably in university. It's just I didn't have the money. But just seeing 
pictures online or seeing people travel to different places because you know in university it's no longer just Africans or now it's people who live in North America and they go to Mexico. Yeah. They go to Europe. So I was like, oh, I also want to travel, but I didn't have money. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I started working, that for me, it was important to start putting money aside to travel. And also the fact that my sister was in the U.S., my brother was in the U.K., you want to see people, mm-hmm. you know, that you're going to have to move. So you need to have money to do that. So, I, yeah, it definitely started from university. And then once I was working, I knew that I wanted to visit different countries, just seeing pictures online, especially. Like, oh, I want to go there too. Nice. So on your travels, uh, well, which the travels that you've had, um, mm-hmm. do you have a favorite destination so far? And do you have a place that has surprised, has been like your biggest surprise? Mm. My favorite trip that I've ever done was uh, Bali in 2019. Why am I not surprised about that? (laughs) It was so good because of how everything just worked out. Because there are four of us went, two from Canada, two from the U.S. And the coordination, it, it just went so well. And even when we got there, the people on the ground who were taking care of us is just above and beyond the housekeeper because I'm the one who did all of the research. I did all of the bookings. Mm-hmm. I was like the travel agent for yeah. everyone. So I got everyone settled. I had the budget. Everyone was sending me the money. I paid everything in advance except for food and the driver. But Everything else was paid in advance. So we got there. We had our housekeeper for the first Airbnb. We did three Airbnbs because we went to three cities. Oh, okay. Exactly. So it was really nice. So when we got there, the housekeeper for the first house, up to now, she and I, we still message each other. Like, that's how amazing the trip was. She told me she's pregnant. She's going to be having a baby. She wants me to be the baby's auntie. Like, (laughs) (laughs) I have my my (laughs) Indonesian family like you know like she really welcomed us she brought us to her house we met her husband her mother-in-law her brother like you know we met the entire family we saw the rice farm it's like you know it was it was was such a a warm experience it wasn't your tourist you know that 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 is real travel there i I like that i like that that was real travel like we experienced Experience the Bali culture with her and with everyone else, even the two drivers who would take us around. You know, we knew about their families. Like, you know, they would tell us so many things. So, yeah, so that trip was amazing. And the food, I told you I like good food. Mm-hmm. Bali has good food and they know how to season their food. It's not just, no, no, no. Bali. The Indonesians, they season their food. They love duck. I never mm. eat so much duck. I love duck, I never too. had so much duck in my life. But they, they And they have a good range of, you know, they have the lower scale, mid scale. Then they have the higher scale restaurants, places to see. There's 
something for everyone. So we experienced the fine dining yeah. in Bali, and then we experienced the street food in Bali. Like we did but I'm, a, I'm a street food person, so that that's the only way I would be. The thing is, some of us have you know soft stomachs. Yeah, be uh, careful. Hey, that, that that's some of you, and I'm, 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 I'm an area boy. That's what we call ourselves. It shows. It shows. Oh, yeah, man, that's fine. Boy. We are still sexy. <laughs> we are still sexy, and we know it. My mother will tell you something else, but um, area we know it. We don't need we don't need mother's approval. We don't need father's approval. We know it. We own it. Twenty twenty two. There we go. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you yeah. come. You confirmed everything I've heard about Bali, though. Yeah. Yes. So. That so, is amazing. So, what, what place, uh, what what trip, uh, what trip did you make that surprised you? Or uh, yeah, what destination surprised you? Ooh, what destination surprised me? <laughs> uh, I know people are gonna hate me for this, but I'm gonna say Maryland was underwhelming. Yeah, <laughs> <Hey>, Maryland, <laughs> Maryland. There's a lot of uh, Liberians there, a lot of Nigerians there, a lot of. Uh, <laughs> My they're issue coming. was they are coming for you. I will give you apart from. I'll tell you where to find um, them. I, I saw the White House for my my first time. Well, that's in DC, but uh... apart from DC, mm-hmm. like Maryland itself, I went on Google because I had a day when I wasn't doing anything. Like top five things to do in Maryland, it was to see some rundown old mill. Like the there's no architectural elegance. It was just. Did you check Ratchet Google? This, uh, no, the trip people from people from Maryland. <laughs> I will tell you where to find Brenda. No, no, go, no, go after her. Go after her. Gira, Gira, Gira. She just shot on you all. Gira. Don't worry. She loves New York, so we are good. I've been to Boston twice. Boston is beautiful. You the, praise Boston like, over Maryland. Hey. Because, wait, let me explain. Hey. Because mm-hmm. Boston had the charm. Boston oh. had the charm. Oh. It had the cobblestone streets. It had the beautiful cafes. It has Harvard. I went and visited let me, let me, Harvard. Let me text. Let me text. I saw MIT. Ba- ba- Baltimore like, Mafia. Let me start texting them. The architecture that they have there compared let me text to Maryland. Them. Maryland was very stagnant. I, I know some mafia in Baltimore. They're going to come for you. Let me text them now. They're coming for you. Ooh, they're coming. All right. So, uh, where do I go next now? Let me see. I want to know about this green sofa. What what is this green sofa about that I, that I saw on your uh, on on your bio? That that you said um, you know if if we if you're not buying fabrics, uh, you're you're not exploring the world. You can be found on a green sofa. Is it? Is there? Is there? What's so special? Is is that representation of the Cameroonian flag or that? No. No, it's just because it's so, it's, okay, for my, my followers who know me, I was living with someone last year, and it was a terrible living situation, and so I moved into this apartment in April of last year, mm-hmm. and this was the very first thing 
I purchased when I moved into this apartment. So everyone was excited for me. I was finally out of hell. And this was my first piece of furniture. And it was a green sofa. And I told everyone, I don't care what the rest of my decoration looks like. I'm getting a green sofa. It's out there. It's in your face. <laughs> it, I don't it, it care does what look else nice, happens. Though. It does look nice. It's, it's luxurious. Luxurious. All right. I'll, I'll use that word. Luxurious. <laughs> And it matches the yeah. wall too. So I don't, yeah, it does. So, <laughs> all right. So let me begin to wrap this up. Uh, I thank you and I appreciate you for giving me your your time. Wait, do you even speak French now? Oh, oui, oui, oui. Okay, okay. Calm down, calm, calm down, calm down. My, my, I did not, I did not pass French in uh, secondary school. Okay, look, look at this now. I speak I speak some French too. Je m'appelle uh, Raphael. Uh, merci beaucoup. Uh, oui, oui, oui. Ah oui. Ah, oui, oh, oui, 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 okay. oui. Okay. Oui, oui. Oui, 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 oui. Everything is oui. Il n'y a pas de nom. There's no I, I sing some French songs from Stromae. Oh my gosh. Stromae is the man. Correct. He is. I love Stromae. Yeah. I love him too. Yeah. And he loves me too. He just doesn't know it yet. <laughs> All right. Mm. So, um, yeah. Let me, before, no, before I ask the music question, there's a question I have to ask. So you've already uh -oh. mentioned food, but we mm. need you to give, you've already given one controversial answer and people, <laughs> another reminder to the people of Maryland, do not forget to come after Brenda. Just, you know, it's not me, you know, it's Brenda, she did it <laughs> to you guys. She praised Boston of all places. Hmm. <laughs> in, in Maryland is amazing, though. <laughs> I love that she, there's so uh, many uh, Okay, well, well, well uh, even the Africans Africa. there, you know, you know what it means when she praised Boston over, like, hi, me. <laughs> but anyway, let's, uh, let's, um, oh, yes. Before we get to music, why is it important to you to give back? I think it's just the the human thing to do because oh, no 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 that no, no, no to me to me oh, okay. to okay. me okay. so in my opinion okay. because I was just about to say because some dictators do not approve of giving back <laughs> just, no, so. and I know you're one of them no I'm not I'm, I'm I'm an aspiring dictator I'm not I'm not oh, officially okay. a dictator yet so you have to learn their ways no but for me it's important as you're we're all going to leave this earth. Yeah. <laughs> and you want to make sure that the people coming behind will be able to do even more than mm. what you did so if you're not giving back you're just consuming consuming and you're just taking everything up and then you're you're decreasing the resources so giving back is just a cycle for me it's just it's normal it's part of the cycle you give back then you you go the next person gives back and goes everyone is it's just like a strome video <laughs> my man, my man. I don't know. Stromae is for me, though. It's not for you. I don't know why you're trying to drag. You've already. You, we live. Maryland is for you. You I have Stromae is for me. Maryland is for you. Well, Boston is for you. Stromae is for me. You know, stay, stay with. Have your own thing. You know, Boston is for LA me. is for me. Los Angeles. Yes, I can do Los Angeles. Hmm. Too. Okay, Kanye West. It's gonna come for you now. Then you find out. <laughs> All right. So that's a great answer, by the way. And yes, um, that's, that's paying it forward and leaving a great legacy, by the way. 
So everybody who's on this podcast loves mm. automatically it's a given that you you're a dancer. And we've already already you know I'm doing my scouting report. I've already you know <laughs> I, I saw the scouting report came back like it was like twenty five hundred thousand pages of you dancing and I was like this this one is even Olympic dancer right here. You know, we we, we can just send you to the Olympics, go and represent the whole continent on dancing. And you know, Canada was Canada was fighting file a petition that no, 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 you must represent Canada on dancing. So this question now for yes. music, we need you to dance for one hour. Don't worry, it's not gonna be here now. No, it's not here. I know. I know you were like, what? No, no, no. We are not but we need you to dance for one hour. Name three or four artists that will keep you dancing for at least an hour. Now there's a caveat. You cannot name the most popular artist. No, no, no. No cheating. No cheating. Okay. Okay. I, I know you were just about to go name the most popular. I said, aha, you think you think it about wasn't. It? I yeah, wasn't. I know. I know. You, you you was about to, but we have to catch you quick nope. before you do that. Nope. I was so not. Now we'll, we'll try another caveat in there. Mm. You must name at least one from your place of birth. Mm. Mm-hmm. You must mm-hmm. give them a shout out. You must show love. Since you mm. you you went and picked Boston, maybe you must name <laughs> one from Boston too. <laughs> yes, yeah. So you must betray somebody. That's the point. So all right, go ahead. Go ahead. Give us three or four artists. Ooh, so from my country, Cameroon, I would say person who can make me dance currently, we have a musician called Mimi, M-I-M-I-E. I love Mimi. So she is there. Then another artist from France slash Congo is Daju. I don't know if you know Daju. Daju. D-A-J-U. D-A-D-J-U. I love Daju. Him and Naza. Oh my gosh. Like, yeah, they all of their songs. I, I love all their songs. These French Afro musicians are killing it. They're they good. are killing it. They're good. Like, do you know Aya? Aya Nakamura? Her too. Aya Nakamura. I mean, I've heard the artist. Well, I'm gonna write the name down. Is uh, it is it spelled like the way it sounds? Yes. That Nakamura sounds Japanese, though. <laughs> that is a no, Japanese she's originally name. from uh, Mali. Originally from Mali. Oh, okay. And Aya. Aya. Mm-hmm. Aya. There's a... Huh. Aya, there's a... Another... A Nigerian tribe has that name. Try to think about it. Aya. Mm. I, can't, I can't recall now, but I know there's probably a Nigerian mm. variation of uh, Aya. One of the Nigerian. I need to name two more. I need to name two more. Then there's Extra Musica. You know, extra extra Musica. Okay, well, I'll let you mention that because exactly hey. them and those are, those are my people. You you're going old school there now. You went old school. Yes, because you old school makes you dance more than new school. Old school Makosa, old school Coupe de Calais, old school Dombolo. Those you can just play the whole day. You won't sit down. There's just hmm. the beats just keep coming and coming and coming. If but if your person is dancing without sitting down, don't don't write to me. Just write to this Brenda's fault. Let me just make that announcement now. <laughs> don't, don't don't blame white label American. It is Brenda's fault. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then to cool down, I would have Fireboy 
Herb Boy DML. That's oh, what I would add. This fire boy. Yes. This fire boy, one of my big cousins. She swears by him. My senior cousin. I really, really love his his sound. I really love his style of music. It's very because you know how like Davido is very out there. It's like mm-hmm. now it's da- Davido is the Fire energy. Comes, yeah, Fireboy is more soothing. It's I love it. It's more relaxed, slower paced. Yeah. Okay. So I don't know if I should still ask you about food since you've given us some. Okay, I'll still ask you about food. That would be my second to the last question. So, hmm, let me see. Do I, I go with Cameroon or do I go with Canada? Um, all right. Does Canada have food? It, that, that's up to you. That's up to you. I've had, I've had two guests in well actually three in canada and two said the same thing when it came to food so let's see if you make it three so i, I haven't been to canada yet but i mm-hmm. come to visit you what is the first meal that you take me to go eat or what's the uh. first meal that you demand that i must eat to say you have come to canada you have been to canada you must eat this food uh, okay, just if you want the Canadian experience, I will take you to get poutine and beaver tails. That's uh, for the Canadian. You, you, you are real Canadian. You are real Canadian. No, that's not, but I've, funny enough, I've never gone and purchased those things. That's why I'm saying if you, but if you want to come to Canada to enjoy, I'll take you to a Cameroonian restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what is the Cameroonian meal that you say that I must have? Let me see. Because what the fuck, Aero? You, I think you've had it before, right? Aero, Aero, you know, Aero is a Dikan Kong. Aero is what? A Dikan Kong. What's that? That's Aero. Okay, I know it as Aero. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so, that's what the fufu and Aero. That's always that, the that first. That is Aero. Aero is a Kong, the southern uh, Nigeria, the part of Nigeria shares border of Cameroon. Uh, that's mm-hmm. what they call it. The Dikan Kong. Hmm. Uh-huh. Because when I when I was in Bahrain, the, the first Africans that I hung out with were Cameroonians. And they were like, ah, but my brother, do you, do you want to have invite you over for lunch? I said, okay. Well, what am I are we eating? They said, I will make a bar for you on the Eru. I said, I don't know what the Eru is, but uh as far as it's, I'm eating it with Eba. I said, I know Eba, okay. And they brought it. I said, you could have told me you were bringing a Dikang Kong now. Well, what, what is this? A dick, you brought a Dikang Kong. You're telling me it's Eru. They said, no, no, it's Eru. I said, it's a Dikang Kong. He said, it's Eru. I said, okay, let me taste it. I said, I tasted it. I said, this is a Dikang Kong. He said, oh, it's Eru. Okay. I said, okay. Okay. Let me, take, let, me, let me take a picture. And I took a picture. I said to my cousin, I said, I'm eating this food from Cameroonians. They said, it's Eru. Is it Eru or Dikang Kong? She said, uh, it's a Dikang Kong, but Cameroonians call it Eru. That's what they, on their side is Eru. I said, oh. Okay, well, that's true. You know, if Soepo did not come and divide us with border and all this stuff, it mm-hmm. probably would have been, okay, okay, yeah, I get it, I get it. All right, you guys call it Eru, and we call it Edikankong, so, yeah. It's Eru, <laughs> yeah. okay. <laughs> well, yours is, is a shorter spelling and easier to pronounce, so. Thank you. But Kong. <laughs> if, if you just want a, a Nigerian to know what you're saying, just, if you say Kong, they will get it, because if, until you show them, 
then they will know that, that that's what you're talking about. Because if you say Eru, people will be like, oh, yes, yes like, okay, I, I would try. They'll be like, some might even hesitate because Nigerians are very, we have some Nigerian supremacy that we do when it comes to food. We act like we are the only people that have the food. And then, well, wait, you people don't even know the food. You don't even know the name of the food. Nigerians can tell you that. It's your food. You might be the ones that even invented the food like we do with jollof. You know, Nigerians are not the ones who made invented jollof. <laughs> but we'll yeah. be like, wait, 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 wait a minute. This is not even your food. This is Nigerian food. Like, come on. You, you, everybody has the food. We just call it by a different name. That's what it is. So, yeah. So, uh, we, we all know it as a Dikan Kong. That's where I grew up. Knowing it as, it's not from my tribe. But the people who have it, that's their language. And they call it a Dikan Kong. So. <laughs> I yeah. So, if you go to a Nigerian restaurant here, they, you see a Dikan Kong on the menu. That's Eru. <laughs> it's literally a <laughs> You just, if you see there, just know that it's a long word, but it's a Just in okay. your mind, you'll be like, oh, this people, you could have saved yourself all these letters and space. <laughs> <laughs> now, some Nigerians be frowning at this guy. This guy. My, my friend, send me the jollof instead of frowning. Yeah. <laughs> so, you see, I balance the equation, right? There you go. Mm -hmm. All right. So final question, my sister. What would you like to leave the audience with? You know, it could be from one of your blogs, could be from your book, you know, your freestyle moment. There you go. Anything for the audience. Anything for the audience. Wow. I would probably <laughs> leave them with words to think on because that is the stage of my life where I am right now. It's the pondering slash planning slash wondering phase. And so I would recommend that people keep a journal actually. It doesn't have to be one that you write in every day. It could be a small 20 page notebook but I find writing down the questions that you have for yourself and seeing them on paper they help you reach answers versus just thinking about them in your head so I keep a journal and it's not just to write about what happens daily but to actually ask myself the cliche questions as well as the questions that I might be scared to ask out loud things that I'm concerned about for my life. But when you see them on a piece of paper and they're looking at you waiting for an answer, it encourages you to start actually taking steps towards getting the answers. So that's what I would leave your audience with. That's powerful. I like that. I, know, I, 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 will, I should <laughs> do that. I should do that. That's something I've never thought keep about. Keep a journal. Yeah, keep a journal. <laughs> keep a journal. See, that's why I like asking that question and I don't tell you it's coming because, you know, you never can tell what the person will, you know, pull from inside of them and just drop, mm -hmm. you know, give you a beautiful gem. So thank you for that again. And uh, how, how do you say thank you in your language? Melapte, which is the name of my ah, business. Ah, <laughs> Melapte. Okay. See, I've learned, another, I've learned another thank you. I've been acquiring a lot of thank yous. Melapte. All right.
Okay. So please plug yourself. Let the audience know how they can find you and um, yeah, how to get in touch with you. Mm, across all social media platforms, I am the Ankara Queen. So T H E A N K A R A Q U E E N. So that's on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. Those are the platforms that I use right now. So you can find me on there and you can follow my blog, www.theankaraqueen.com. All righty. And you will have all that in the show notes. So please go there, check it out. Look at the beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous work from this fantastic Afropreneur. And you will never regret going on her blog and website and you'll be blessed for it. So Melapte, Brenda, thank you again for coming on the podcast and sharing your time with us. Um, Melapte to the audience, thank you for all uh, listening. Don't forget to go on www.whitelabelamerican.com. Um, give us your love, five-star reviews, five-star, five-star. And uh, you can buy us a cup of coffee, join our Patreon. Yeah, we need more people to join us. We need to grow our team. We have more great stuff coming. There are loads and loads of bonus content out there. So go there. Enjoy. Thank you for the privilege of your company. Thanks for listening to White Label American. If you enjoyed the show, we'll appreciate if you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, comments, or have someone who will be a good guest on the show, or you want to be on the show, send us a message at whitelabelamerican at gmail.com. And make sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at White Label American. Thank you for your support.